15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive. Teaching him he can be anything. All you. And your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen. They are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance. Protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You think of Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. But this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome into DC On Screen episode 483. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And uh, it's been a couple of weeks now since we've had a had an episode. That's fine. No one's paid attention to DC in two weeks anyway. No. It's all been Infinity War. Yeah. Infinity War, Infinity War. We so even <laughs> stopped doing Infinity War. Yeah. And uh, last night I popped over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast and did two episodes. One uh, for uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 20. Which is killing and, it right uh, now. Absolutely. Uh an episode which basically name-dropped Infinity War for a minute. Uh-huh. That was rewarding. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then we did an episode talking about like what Marvel might be doing, what, what villain they might uh, actually try to tackle after Thanos. So Did you guys end up I deciding think, on like one you'd really like? Well, we kind of had... We had a list of most of what we thought was most likely and a list of like our favorite choices. Mm, your Your peanut gallery throw a penny in a well kind of thing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. I think that episode, the Infinity, the After Infinity War episode is going to drop. Uh, well, if you're listening to this right now, it's probably already dropped, honestly. Should I ask who your, uh, who your penny in a well was? Um, I think uh, we all three thought, well, I don't want to give it away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so there was some kind of like agreement among you, finally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, okay. yeah. We had we had an agreement. <laughs> we were pretty close on. Uh, we were we were all like we all three agreed on what was not going to happen, and all <laughs> and all three agreed on what was going to happen. Gotcha. Like we were we were. <laughs> so it was it was fun. Fair enough. Anyway, so uh, so last week not a lot of stuff dropped. Well, the day that we would have. We basically decided not to uh, not to record, and then like some st- big stuff dropped. We will talk about that a little later in the show, right? But um, this week, dude, Margot Robbie now is saying that the Birds of Prey film is going to be an R-rated girl gang film. She's uh, she's pitching for it. 
She says, I pitched the idea of an R-rated girl gang film including Harley because I was like, Harley needs friends. Harley needs interacting with people. Harley loves interacting with people, so don't ever make her do a standalone film. She's got to be with other people. It should be a girl gang. I wasn't seeing enough girl gangs on screen, especially in the action space, so that was always a big part of it. And then, of course, having a female director, that's uh, Kathy Yan of uh, Dead Pigs, uh, to tell that story and giving a female director the chance to do big budget stuff. They always get, here's the tiny little film. I was like, I love action. I love action films. I'm a girl. What are we meant to only like a specific thing? So it was a hugely important uh, to find a female director for this if possible. But at the end of the day, male, female, the best director gets the job and Kathy was the best director. I um, don't want Birds of Prey to be an R-rated film. I don't or necessarily in a girl gang film. I, I don't mind it obviously being a group of girls, but Birds of Prey is a very different thing than what she's describing here, I feel. <laughs> I'm I'm also like a little unclear. The thing is I don't have a problem with R rated or uh potentially girl gang, but I actually didn't understand completely what she meant about girl gang. I, I I'm assuming just ensemble female cast, which sounds fine. But mm-hmm. And in R-rated context, maybe. I mean, it'd be nice to let Harley Quinn off the leash a little bit. A little bit, but, I, you know, I don't... I mean, if it's going to be based on villains, okay. But I don't necessarily want to see, like, Birds of Prey be R-rated. Like, I don't think those should be the same film as that's what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I... Would... Mm. <laughs> I don't need to see, you know, Batgirl running around in an R-rated movie. I- it, confusing young girls as to why they can't go see it it's i don't know you feel me right a little bit but i'm a little bit past this idea that you can't have an r-rated something or other oh i mean you absolutely can but i've like the great thing and about deadpool like is it fit that character more than anything you know like deadpool the r-rating fits the character the r-rating might fit harley quinn but it doesn't fit uh, barbara gordon it doesn't fit batgirl it doesn't fit the other you know black canary right 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 um etc so and I don't necessarily have any interest in seeing Harley and a bunch of villains running around calling themselves the Birds of Prey. No. That just sounds like Gotham City Sirens to me. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. That's where the product should lie if that was where they were going. Although Birds of mm-hmm. Prey sounds like a much more um, villainy title than it's normally it's normally billed as. But still, if it's if all they're doing is just letting Harley off the leash, and then there's some back and forth with the rest of the crew about you know, hey, hold on, hold on, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. I can deal with that. I mean, if if part of the back and forth of the movie is just uh, Batgirl telling Harley, "Hey, you can't actually smash someone's skull in. Just just mm-hmm. knock them out." Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that could be good. I, I, I at that stage, and you know, it's the kind of thing where normally I'd just shrug my shoulders and go, "Yeah, whatever, dude." Because it, if it's just an actor or actress just pitching, "Hey, I'd like to do this," it's that's one thing. But I, I think she's like. EP attached to pretty much anything that has her in it at this point. Yep. So yeah, she her words actually do have weight. Mm-hmm. God, she's got like right of refusal. Like apparently she just owned the crap out of this role and they went, "We'll give you anything. Please don't stop doing it." Right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so who knows what's gonna happen with that man? I yeah. I know she's probably gonna change the boots. That's about all. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. That's 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 what we can really guess and be really sure about. Yeah. I mean, we'll see where this goes. I. I'd like to see the pitch. I would like to see the, the like, if if it was me, I'd really like to see the treatment before I ruled out R. Yeah. Just give me the one page. I mean, I'll go see it. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing it. All right, so uh, Joss Whedon explained to Variety that uh, he actually did have a Batgirl story in mind. Told uh, you. Before the project, yeah, 
for the project fell through earlier this year. Uh, he says it had been a year since I had first pitched the story. A lot happened in that year. The story kind of just crumbled in my hands. There were elements that I just hadn't mastered that after a long time felt like I wasn't going to a lot of people that I didn't have an, uh, thought I didn't have an idea, which isn't an exact truth. Uh, sorry. I told people I didn't have an idea, which isn't an exact truth. I had an idea, but it didn't fit into the space that was left for it. It was a little heartbreaking. And I'm not sure what exactly that means. Isn't if, an exact truth. You lied. Yeah. It was a funny lie. Like, I liked his, what was his line? Like, uh, what's a sexy word for failed or something like that? I, <laughs> yeah. It was amusing. Yeah. But we knew it was BS. So, here we are. I do feel bad for him, though. He had an idea. It was apparently attached to the DCU's timeline in some capacity. And then that idea just, it, you just watched it float away. Like the, the, the possibility of that story just float away. Well, it, it may have fit into the timeline. I didn't really get that from what he was saying. Yeah. It could I mean, mean that it just wasn't tonally where they wanted to go. It could have been. But I don't know. I'd, I would just bet on timeline. Could have been either one. Absolutely. But I would bet on timeline. Because tonally, Whedon can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And they obviously moved toward his tone. I, I, I just uh, like with, with him getting to basically do the final cut of Justice League. Like clearly, they they like. Well, they moved towards his tone, but then Justice League was a flop. So uh, yeah, I know they may be moving away from that tone again. Yeah, I mean, you know, bottom line, we don't know what the hell WB is doing. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't. And they may have just wanted, you know, like, you remember those they, little they, they, uh, eight balls that gave you predictions. Uh-huh. That may be running WB at this point. <laughs> you think? Possibly. You think it's just give, Walter Hamada up there with the theory. Magic 8 ball? Give me another theory that makes more sense. Let's put it that way. I'd have as much luck predicting the future of WB's de- exact decisions with that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I just have high hopes, whether it be an 8 ball or Walter Hamada for real. Yeah. I mean, the, we've talked about it before. The, the fact of the matter is, uh, I think we could predict with real frightening accuracy the decisions they would make if we knew their contracts and how the money was tied into their contracts mm-hmm. because that seems to be the only thing they're concerned with yeah let's uh not talking about the directors just the execs like yeah you know a good way to put it is i have high hopes but very low expectations yeah yeah that's the world we live in I had high expectations, but they squandered those. I know. So. <laughs> All right. And I find it so meta that, like, the one film I'm super excited about, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about Aquaman, but the one that gets me, like, childlike wonder kind of pumped is right now is Shazam. And it's oh, yeah. really just because the social media game on Shazam is freaking, God, it's on point, man. And I love that I have, like, a childlike wonder about a film that's basically, like, a childlike fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I just hope it doesn't get crushed. Yep, I'm, uh, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Like, the real, like, I'm looking forward to Aquaman. Like, I can't help it. Like, I really want to see, like, all of this Spielbergian action-adventure and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, no, they've, they've got, I, like, uh, the action sequences I've heard described all sound fantastic. Like, Momoa, yeah. I love Momoa. love Patrick Wilson in general. Isn't that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, always loved him. Every time I've seen him, I've, I've thought he did a great job. Just, uh, but it's different to really, like, look forward to something that's going to be a great action film that you're going to enjoy and look forward to something that has you like giggling with childhood excitement. Mm-hmm. And you know, neither Shazam nor Aquaman were things that like I like really dug into as a kid or anything, but Shazam seems to be like really gaining a lot of interest from me. Like yeah. more so than anything they've done since BVS. Yeah. 
And it's it's all like a lot of uh, oh, I mean, when I talk about social media game, um, Momoa is is amazing. By the way, mm-hmm. like if you actually look at his, and I had an article point this out to me. You remember, you know, the like Dosa Keys, like the most, I think it's Dosa Keys, like the most interesting man alive uh, yeah. ads. He actually is. If you look uh-huh. at his feed, it's just like him atop a mountain and then him hanging from something else and then him with like a, an entire bar behind him in Alaska for some reason and, and like him on a beach next. It's just like, that's just, it's, it's just what he does. He's just everywhere doing mm-hmm. everything and, and uh, enjoying himself at any given moment. Like that man yeah. is just filled with muscle and serotonin. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, his his game is pretty pumped too. I, I enjoy watching him, but still, something yeah. about the humor of Shazam over there that's really intriguing to me. Yeah. So uh, over the past few months, we've been hearing from various sources that WB was going to be going in a different direction, uh, direction, direction with the solo Flash movie, and that they probably weren't going to be doing Flashpoint. Today, Umberto Gonzalez uh, seems to be echoing that notion. Mm-hmm. By simply posting a photoshopped Jeffrey Dean Morgan Batman turning to dust. Mm-hmm. A la Infinity War. Spoilers for Infinity War, man. Oh, screw it. People are dying. <laughs> yeah, a la Infinity War. People die. You knew that going in. I didn't yeah. tell you who. That's the important part. Right. I'm, I really want the Jeffrey Dean. I want Flashpoint. I like the idea of the Flashpoint movie. I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as that. I love that guy. I do too. I, I mean, I'm... I'm still on board. If they want to do it, still on board. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. And someday, I'm I'm confused about where to take. Like, you could do Flashpoint almost as an other world or an else world kind of tell within the DCU and kind of get away with. It. You could, but if you make it a Flash solo film, which is where we started and where I still kind of would rather be thematically, you're almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little hopeful. Like, if that's what's happening. It means they may be digging back into no, we've got a plan again. Mm-hmm. Where the last couple of years, it's it's been a lot of reactionary, short term decisions that have resulted in like films that just could have been better, you know? Right. Well, we'll see. Um, Henry Cavill was talking to Collider at the CinemaCon, and uh, they asked him about Man of Steel too. He says, "I'm having a lot of conversations behind the scenes with certain people, and we will hopefully be having conversations with other people who are also behind the scenes to make things start happening." He recently um, told somebody that he just wanted to be back in the cape as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I believe him. He says it he is really loves this character. Ver- he said it is very much in my desire to do a Man of Steel two, a direct sequel to Man of Steel, and there is a whole bunch of Superman story that I want to tell. There is a whole style of Superman's character that I'm very keen to tell, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Ah, uh, um, the Brit came through. Mm-hmm. And uh, comicbook.com talked to him, and uh, they were. They're, it was during his uh, press tour for Mission Impossible Fallout. And um, they asked him when Superman might show up next. And he says, I cannot tell you when, and I also cannot tell you what. And they've, they have, they've spoken with Christopher McQuarrie, like, or Cavill has, and some outlets have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cavill says, uh, as far as McQuarrie, he says, I think we are, we've, we'd both very, uh, be very keen We've been playing with some ideas over the year that we've shot together, and it'd be fun, a lot of fun to make those come true. Um, and as for the rumor about whether or not he can be, he's in Shazam, he says, I obviously can't talk about that. Christopher McQuarrie was talking to Brandon Davis of comicbook.com and uh, says, Henry Cavill knows what my, my, my Man of Steel 2 would look like. 
we had a lot of time to hang out on set, and Henry's a huge fan of Superman. I can't help but talk uh, story to people. So he told me his take on Superman, and I thought it was really great. And I gave him my two cents. And uh, he he says he he's he's tweeted out they know where to find me. He says nobody's asked, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I think it would be a great a, a great call. Like Macquarie is a good writer. He's a good director. Can we please do this? <laughs> please don't start a petition. <laughs> Somebody did start a petition, and I'll talk about that later oh, on. God, <laughs> not about this. But it is in relation to Superman. I'm glad those things aren't made out of paper anymore. We'd be having a deforestation talk. Right. So uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the DCEU storyboard artist and DCUA director, Jay Oliva. Uh, Oliva? Olivia? Uh, I can't. I don't know how to Oliva? say his name. I don't know. Oliva? I, I guess I'll say Joe I mean, Oliva. There's just one eye. Right. His claims that Man of Steel was the first of a planned five-part story and uh, that a direct sequel was never planned we did have some questions about that. We were a little iffy on the timeline ourselves because we remembered Zack Snyder talking about, you know, after Man of Steel going like, well, what are we going to do? And then he puts out the idea of, you know, uh, like Luthor sending Kryptonite to the Batcave and, or uh, to the, to Wayne Manor. And just apparently mentioned the word Batman and everything. Yeah. You could, there's no way to put that back in the box. Yeah. And, uh, so we had some questions about that and it looks like Daniel Alter, a producer on the Hitman video game films, and the upcoming Johnny Quest film. Uh, also had some uh, some thoughts on it, and he jumped on Twitter and called Jay's claim, quote, revisionist history. <laughs> all right. And Jay responded, Daniel, with all due respect, who would know more about this? You or I? It's not revisionist history. Seriously, I take offense to you insinuating that I don't know what I'm talking about. Then Alter said something uh, about how it was widely known around town that Batman was added to the sequel after Man of Steel was a big disappointment at the box office. And Jay fires back and says, Back in April 2013, before Man of Steel was released in June, I was tasked with doing the Superman 75 short. I remember that short. That was a good short. Mm -hmm. He says, I met with Zach, who was the executive producer on it, and he showed me storyboards of Batman v Superman with Batman already in it. And it was Batman from the Dark Knight Returns. I know this as fact because I was there. And I remember it very clearly because I was sad that I may not get the opportunity to work on a film that used Miller's Dark Knight, Rise, uh, Dark Knight Returns as an influence. Because, well, you know, I kind of did a little film that just uh, that did just that. So how could it be revisionist history if the plan for the following films were already planned before the release of Man of Steel? Now, was there a plan to do a sequel when Goyer and Nolan wrote it? I don't know for sure, but you can bet your ass that prior to June there was a plan. <laughs> you remember, um, God, how many years ago? That was the first footage we saw at a Comic-Con was, was him in that costume with, with the lit up eyes and, and Superman floating above him. I think that was May 15. That was like the first thing they had in the can that they were ready to shoot. That was like our first episode talking about that footage. Was it? It was. Oh, what a start. Well, it's been fun bookending this. It's been DC on screen. Um, good time to end the show. Thanks, guys. Uh huh. <laughs> you have something you want to tell me, man? <laughs> when I like, when the resolution happens so naturally, you just let it be. Oh, okay. It's the it's the British way of ending a TV series. Is it? Yeah. Is that what happens? Yeah. Okay. Well, well I'm like, not British. Well, I don't I, think I'm I American. Want to actually renew the series? I think we told a good story. Let's just move on. Mm hmm. Uh, so at least that's put to bed. <laughs> not the show. <laughs> 
Jay's notion of how this all came about. Mm. Uh, so uh, Snyder over on uh, Vero released a picture of Henry Cavill in the original Reeve costume. It says, this was the shot I did to show the studio that this was my Superman. They agreed. It looked good. It's a, it's a good shot. Yeah. That- Some might argue more hopeful than Man of Steel turned out. I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I don't, because the hope in that movie uh, made me cry in the theater. But I'm surprised you mm-hmm. didn't instead say some would argue more colorful than Man of Steel con- turned out. Mm-hmm. Well, for some reason, people seem to think that color and hope go hand in hand. Not necessarily. My rebuttal is is the word dog. Most hopeful creature uh-huh. on the planet sees nothing. <laughs> Do we actually have scientific evidence that, that dogs can't see color. No, it's like black, white, and that. a couple of kind of... Sh- they do see some color. I forget which two. It's like, it's like hues of it, but it, it, they do see some color. But it's super mm. faded. It's weird. But still, very dull atmosphere for them color-wise. Very hopeful creatures. Yeah, yeah. I've got something else. Mm-hmm. Andy Griffith was better when it was in black and white. <laughs> More hopeful, funnier. By the time they got to the colored episodes, Andy was kind of a grouch. Mm-hmm. You know? You could say, you know, it works for his character because he keeps having to deal with all these idiots in Mayberry who keep screwing up his calm, peaceful days, but with their stupid shenanery. With the (laughs) same problems over and over again? Yeah. Not the same problems over and over again, but, you know. (laughs) I mean... Problems rooted in the same problem. Yeah, the same, you know, issue. I would have been okay with a version of, like, an episode... Where uh, he just, like, walks outside and, and says, like, everybody in! Everybody come in! And yells at the crowd, like, there are, like, 240 of you! Figure this shit the fuck out! And goes back inside. <laughs> yeah. It would have made sense. <laughs> I got a bullet for every one of you. <laughs> Make it work! <laughs> or I'm coming! Yeah, that's what, that's what Mayberry needed. They just needed Andy to just become... <laughs> Frank Castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Homegrown terrorist. Yep. Wasn't everybody in Mayberry. It was just about like, you know, six people. Just that made his life a living hell. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. Not Otis. He was an easy one. He was one of the easier ones. He was yeah. an easy one. Locked himself up, hid the key from himself. No big deal. Yeah. You know how pissed though, like, in a you modern know world, you know how pissed people would be though about that? Every single week, you have to follow the same paperwork for that asshole. There's oh, they didn't have paperwork. A lot of paperwork. They hung a key on a hook outside of the jail cell. Yeah. And just let him come in at it will and, and lock himself up I so know. he doesn't hurt anybody. But now there's all kinds of things. Like, it, you couldn't just let him come in and be a drunk overnight. You'd have to send programs, do paperwork on that. It would seriously be, like, two or three hours of your week every single week that you just, like, sat there with a pen and dried that thing out. Dealing yeah. with that dude. While yeah. he refused to dry out. It would. <laughs> You'd be ready to kill him. Uh huh. All right. So anyway, uh, did you did you watch this this Teen Titans Go trailer? No, no. I heard it described, but I didn't actually watch it. It was actually pretty great. No offense to it. I just every time I've remembered it, I've been at work and I can't really actually get that. Yeah, yeah. There's this great bit where they're like upset that no one's making a movie about them, and Superman is like, "Well, I mean, you guys don't really do anything." <laughs> And and Cyborg goes, remember when we went to that, when we found that diner and we ate that food? Mm-hmm. And Superman says, well, that's not, that's not a crime. And also you didn't save anything. And <laughs> Cyborg goes, we save room for dessert. 
<laughs> I was a little ashamed at how hard I laughed at that. <laughs> I've, I've definitely never dug in, but some part of me thinks that like Teen Titans Go is like 40% dad joke. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I do love a good dad joke. I think about half of it you're going to hate, because like, about half of it is farts. Yeah, that does get a little boring. I do need a I need a clever poo joke to actually go for it. Yeah, I haven't seen Otherwise, a clever. Otherwise, it feels like blue like blue collar comedy tour kind of crap. Well, Which it also reminds accurate, me a little there of like really jokes there, but you know you know the film I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean it also re- reminds me a little bit of like there's a lot of good meta jokes, but there, it also reminds me of like s- uh, surrealist humor. Like I don't know why, like Cartoon uh, Network after 9 p.m. kind of stuff. Yeah, like I don't know I don't know why Cyborg throws waffles at people, but that's a thing. And it sounds funny, Apparently. but it also kind of sounds like the thing that I need a certain amount of weed to really appreciate. <laughs> All right. And that's just not in my life. Like, it's just, just... sure, yeah. there have been times, but it's just not, not a thing right now. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, in the new Teen Titans Go trailer, they uh, they meet Deathstroke and they confuse him with Deadpool. And it's a it's a fun bit. He's like, no, dude. Like even like Deathstroke is like, uh, no, I'm not him. And also, I came first. Blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> it's fun. Accurate. And uh, Ryan Reynolds on Twitter says Deathstroke slash Slade Wilson is nothing like Deadpool slash Wade Wilson. Not sure where the confusion comes from. Signed, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> That's a slow clap if there ever was one. Fantastic, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh. Jimmy Kimmel's doing Batman mm-hmm. for this thing. He tweeted at Will Arnett, there's a new Batman in town, me, and you are what the kids call old news. Oh. <laughs> I, I love how excited that makes him seem. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of TV properties. We're going to get a little spoilery on Arrow stuff, but um, if you're not following us for that... We're all over the place, man. We're DCOnScreen.com. You can find every episode. You can go over to Twitter and talk to us, DCOnScreen. Uh, DCOnScreen at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, we're on Instagram. We're everywhere. We're on Facebook. And you can call us 205-259-6331 if you want to leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show and talk at you. So, big news of last week, DC Universe was announced. And that's the upcoming streaming service that they've been hinting at for a while mm-hmm. well they've um been, we've been sure it was coming for god what well, sure. better part of a year i want to say yeah but hinting is probably not a good word for it you're right i'm a piece of shit <laughs> i hate myself how dare you but they have finally opened up about some of the particulars Mm-hmm. well it claims to be a quote first of its kind immersive digital experience designed just for dc fans Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That sounds like some tribalism bullshit. What about Marvel fans? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, the announcement, the immersive, <laughs> first of its kind part is like, dude, you're a streaming service. Don't get and like and like. And there were a couple of people I'm sure that saw that and thought, what does like Harley Quinn reach out of my monitor and give me a hand job? Like it, it, uh-huh. it. What do you mean immersive? I don't know what that means. It's a little I, weird. I would well no because I suspect that has that they're going to be creating content for um. For um, AR technology. I mean... I mean, that's where everything's going, man. Facebook is creating stuff for AR. You know, like, Twitter's 
talking about doing stuff. Uh, everything's kind of going in, in into you know virtual reality, man. Yeah, that's what they've said a few or times. Or artificial reality. I mean, that's been said my my lifetime has has been everything's yeah. going to go VR. And the closest we've got, but it's getting so far really good. There are more three D show times than two D show times in theaters now. But that that was like a all right. The analogy I would like to use is: Do you remember mm-hmm. first of all when there were movie stores? Yeah, Video Express, Movie Gallery. If you're in our area, Blockbuster, and a lot of other ones. Anyway, mm-hmm. you'd go in at first in our lifetimes. It was all VHS, mm-hmm. and then DVDs crept in. Sure, and then they eventually owned. Most of the 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 wall landscape. Mm-hmm. Well, rather than it being there were all DVDs now, and then suddenly the franchise is dead, and they, we, no one remembers what those are anymore. I the the landscape of it being all two D, and then there being all three D. That hadn't happened. It's been all two D, and there's a certain amount of three D, and then it seems like it's kind of hit that mark where maybe there's there are more showings. I think of the three D, but it seems to me every time I look, it's not like I'm choosing between. I watch 2D, man. I can't do the 3D. I want to go see a film like in flat screen with all the colors. Yeah, but AR isn't necessarily like virtual reality like we remember the the conversation as a kid. Like they do have the headsets, but they're like really getting popular right now. They're like I know super popular. And not only that, I'm talking about AR as well. Like, um, like where you will have like like oh gosh, Instagram, Facebook Messenger. Like they have things now where you can you put on a filter and it looks like something is sitting on your desk that's not. Uh, you can create objects and put them in the video that aren't there and they look like they are. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I got you. I, I'm thinking they're talking like immersive um, immersive digital experience like that. Like they might actually start. They might actually create like a social network to some degree for this. It's a, it. I don't uh, I don't know what immersive means. It just it can mean a lot of different things. It's a fine idea. In certain ways, in other ways, I wouldn't be interested, and I just want to see a like. I just want to see a tale. I want to see fiction. That's all. I understand, but in some ways, I think the word immersive just really means like. Well, actually, I hope it just really means. Hey, we've got all of uh, all of the BTAS canon and all of the related projects here mm-hmm. for this amount of money a month. You can be sure that you'll never not be able to suddenly find that on Netflix. I mean, it 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 needs to be like everything. It needs to be like Super Friends. It needs to be. Lois and Clark, it needs to be the old 80s Superboy series. I understand there are a lot of contractual agreements with with companies that aired a thing on a product. I get it. I get it. It is complicated. Uh There's a reason it took so long to get Batman 66 Mm -hmm. in physical form. I get it. But everything you've got that you've been shipping out to other companies better be on this network. (laughs) One would hope. It just, it really should be. But one of the cool things they've, they've announced with this service, though, is a Swamp Thing series. Yes. And I'm uh, super excited about it. Yes. James Wan, dude, he ain't ready for dry land yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be one of the executive producers on the uh, live action Swamp Thing series. And uh, assuming everything goes as planned, they're looking for a for shooting in twenty. Uh, they're looking to shoot and for a 2019 release. Like it has a logo. Um, it's going to be co-written by uh, Mark Verheiden of Daredevil and Battlestar Galactica. And Gary Doberman of It. They're going to be serving as showrunners if it gets picked up. Um, which I think they said it was picked up. But, um, yeah. 
James Wan executive producing with uh, Atomic Monsters' Michael Clear. Yeah. They're putting a lot of weight behind this one as far as the attaching names part goes. It is. And they did. They put out a description for the series. Uh, when CDC researcher Abby Arcane returns to her childhood home of uh, Homa, Louisiana, in order to investigate a deadly swamp-borne virus, she develops a surprising bond with, Alec, uh, with scientist Alec Holland, only to have him tragically taken from her. But as powerful forces descend on Homa, intent on exploiting the swamp's mysterious properties for their own purposes, Abby will discover that the swamp holds uh, mystical secrets, both horrifying and wondrous, and the potential love of her life may not be dead after all. I'm just excited for all this. I, I, I... I'm sad that Lynn Ween and, and Bernie Wrightson isn't here to see this thing come to fruition. I, I They got to see that I terrible hope. movie instead. Yeah. And the, well, those movies were kind of fun. <laughs> it's one of the strangest sex scenes in the history of cinema. Man, I, I hope this series has like the Alan Moore, like, Abby eats a psychedelic sex tuber <laughs> that grew out of Swamp Things Back. You know what I mean? Like, psychedelic sex potatoes, guys. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the uh, most plausible explanation for how that goes down I, i'm not hating on that part mm-hmm. i'm hating on the portrayal in the live action version i don't remember that maybe weird. i saw like a tv version when i was a kid it was weird it's been a long time what happened I, it's it's flashy all i remember is like it's shot about Show as me well, on the ho- it's shot about as well as the toxic <laughs> avengers uh, as far as i can remember and it's just like yeah a lot of fake noise making and a situation that doesn't make any sense it's it's really Mm. like it's worse than bad porn all right (laughs) in the Um, sense that like it's the same shots of someone pretending to be interested in something but nothing actually happens uh uh-huh i i'm not sure what you were hoping for there man that's actually the the salient point i don't know what i hoped for i think i hope not to ever actually see the scene right I think I hoped for that to be mentioned <laughs> instead of shown, but whatever. They went for it and just didn't work for me. I understand. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a version where that works for me and I learned something about myself. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you learned something about yourself. <laughs> you never know. You just, you know, you go through life. You find things. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Hopefully I won't watch this series and never be able to eat a sweet potato without becoming aroused again. Right, you know what I mean? right. You know, I mean, you don't want to look look at a stalk of celery and think I can be that hard. You don't want to do that. No, who knows? Um, James Wan tweeted, "Been developing this veg- vegetarian hero for a while now with a great team. Happy to finally share. Expect mood, mystery, gothic romance, and swamp monsters. Fantastic. Sounds great. Um, their their logo. They put out a logo as well. It looks great. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, classic like House of Mystery type type of stuff. Man, I, I dig it." Uh, they also released lo- uh, logos for Titans, Harley Quinn, and Young Justice Outsiders, and all of those look amazing. Yeah. I'm especially taken with the Titans logo, which is like graffiti on a like bright blue graffiti on a dark uh, blue wall. It basically looks like the Nightwing suit. Yep. Which is funny because I don't see a Nightwing on the show so far. Not so far. But um, but they chose those colors. Oh, they did. They they knew what they were doing. <laughs> they knew I would know. At least taunting you. They're like, we're doing it this way. And they're like, why are you doing it that way? And they're like, because Dave knows. <laughs> At the very least, I, I saw the uh, logos and thought, well, hell, the graphic designer they hired was good. Let's hope for the rest. Yeah, right. And uh, unfortunately, the well, depends on where you stand on it, I guess. But mm-hmm. the Metropolis series seems to be taking a step back. Um, it was one of the series being developed for the 2019 launch. 
the plan was to show the city of tomorrow before the arrival of Superman. Seemed like it was going to be kind of Lex Luthor and Lois Lane as they investigate fringe science. <laughs> Seemed a little procedural. But for reasons as of yet unknown, Deadline is now reporting that the show is being put back through the development process, which doesn't bode well, honestly. Like, they already had, like, a, a series order. Yeah. So, I don't I don't know what that's about. I, that's weird. It's a little confusing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say so I've never seen anything like that before, but usually, well, I mean, usually you either talking move about, or don't. Not Talking about fringe science, hell, the show fringe like went back through the development process midway through the damn show. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing you oh. get more often than... That's actually a good point. There may be some hope here. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe there's somebody that foresaw, eh, this isn't going to work out, and, and convinced everyone, no, seriously, we need to go back to the drawing board. This isn't going to work. I didn't mean to... I didn't mean to instill hope by evoking fringe. <laughs> Dude, you learn from history and you try to do better. Well, sure. That's the, that's the goal. That's that's what we all try to do. So maybe, maybe someone tried uh-huh. that. Okay. All right. I, I do hope that Metropolis is good. I'm going to watch it. I don't want it to be bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I, I did get on to someone um, earlier today, just at work. Someone said, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I said, no, it's not. What do you mean? It's like, not everyone's smart enough to learn from their past. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just, no, not always. Not always. Shit, I'm like one of those, uh, I'm like that hamster in The Simpsons. <laughs> no, I'm not like the hamster. I'm sorry. I'm like Homer and Bart. Yeah. Remember there was an episode of The Simpsons where, where Lisa hooked up a, an electrode to a uh, to a muffin? And the, the hamster touched it like twice and went, nah, you know, nurse to that. I'm not doing that anymore. But Homer and Bart just kept touching yeah. it and getting yeah. electrocuted and trying yeah. to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that is me. <laughs> We've yeah. No, I mean I've really got to talk to my wife about putting electrodes on muffins. I, I understand. It's not okay. And that cycles back into the hope argument. I hope this time the muffin doesn't hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so uh <laughs> over to HBO and Watchmen. There's there's a lot of hubbub on the on the interwebs. And uh, they're saying that The Watchmen is going to diverge from the comics. Mm-hmm. It's HBO. I expect nothing else. Mm-hmm. But that hashtag show, yet again, comes at us with some possible casting calls. And it doesn't sound like anything I've seen from Watchmen. But here they be. Uh, we've got <laughs> Angela Abraham, African-American female cop, independent and intel- intelligent. She's also a realist. She's married to Cal, with whom she has a daughter, and is fiercely protective of them both. I'm really tired of the word fiercely. Like fierce. Everybody's fierce. Come on, millennials. That's not a good word. <laughs> uh, no, Cal Abraham. A fierce amount of debt. It's, it's, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work when you put too much gel in your hair and you go, oh, I look fierce. I'm fierce. Yeah, no, no. Adjective fiscally, fine. Adjective appearance-wise, go fuck yourself. Right. I, I tend to hear a lot of uh, reality TV in the background now, now that I'm married. I'm sorry. And they all want to say that they're fierce. Mm, you're not. <laughs> anyway, Cal Abraham, African-American male who is the stay-at-home husband of Angela, while he seems at home as the king of his castle, and being a loving husband and father, is clear his past has a different story to tell. We have Looking Glass, a good-looking cop, the native Oklahomian, isn't simple, as his rural accent makes him appear to be, a top interrogator and behavioral scientist, 
he may also be a bit of a sociopath. Panda, an ethnic desk cop. <laughs> These descriptions. An ethnic desk cop. He's cynical and tough and puts his job first. Not a friend of many. He uses comedy to keep people at bay. Well, I, kinda, I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Red Scare, mafioso, tracksuit wearing cop. His Russian accent lends to his abrasiveness. Oh, this was this was great. Pirate Jenny, an androgynous and lustful bisexual cop. Jenny is an anarchist at heart. Did a 13-year-old write these descriptions? This is weird. It's a, uh, yeah, that's out there. <laughs> Jane Crawford, the wife of the police chief, Judd. Jane is a veterinarian <laughs> who's sharper than her guarded persona lets on. Old man, a former cop who is still an imposing figure despite his age. And according to the to uh, Production Weekly, the series has a working title, uh, Brooklyn. Now, uh, Damon Lindelof, the uh, what, he was a showrunner on Lost, and he's written a bunch of, he wrote, I think, the last couple of Star Trek movies and co-wrote them. Mm-hmm. Done a lot of stuff. Longtime fan of the comic. He's going to be the executive producer on the show. And he says, Watchmen, it was dangerous. And you can't be dangerous for dangerous sake. But the reason that I'm doing this is these are dangerous times and we need dangerous shows. What we think about superheroes is wrong. I love the Marvel movies and we saw Justice League this morning. And I'm all for Wonder Woman and Batman. And I grew up on these characters. But we should not trust people who put on masks and say that they are looking out for us. If you hide your face, you are up to no good. <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I guess good to know what what kind of headspace he's in creating no, the show. I like what headspace he's in creating the show. That was supposed to be the take originally. Yeah, like, I know. He's, yeah, he's in a good spot. He's in a good spot. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't know that I necessarily agree with him. But no, I'm, that's I'm part of what sure makes Watchmen great. But yeah, that that's the thing. Um, are you prepared, by the way, for the inevitable headline if like the first episode doesn't? get the viewing like if it doesn't get the rating it's supposed to get who watches the watchman no one <laughs> yeah just prepare yourself for like hollywood reporter or variety running something like that oh they'll they'll do it either way like if it gets a huge turnout who watches the watchman it'll be like everybody you know yeah yeah uh, like you know yeah that'll be a thing yeah one of my favorite one of uh, my favorite one of those weirdly weirdly comes from Jay Leno on the Tonight Show. Um, it wasn't even really like that, but it was just one of my favorite jokes. Was uh, it was the night that Voyager, uh, or it was on the week that Voyager came back home to the Delta Quadrant. Spoiler for Voyager. Sorry if you don't if you want to watch Star Trek Voyager, I just spoiled mm-hmm, it for you. Mm-hmm. But um, if you were transplanted twelve years in time, I apologize. I wish it was 12 years. Um, we're old, man. Uh, I just guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was more like 17 years ago. Oh, Lord. All right. But, yeah, Leno on The Tonight Show had a great bit where he was like, uh, Voyager came uh, tonight, Vo- Star- the crew of Star Trek Voyager returned home to find that no one was watching. Mm. <laughs> Something like that. It was like the like maybe the first time I really laughed at Leno. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I get it. I have heard some of his actual like club comedy, and it was it was good. Yeah, like I've gone back and looked at some of that and went, all right, all right, damn it, it was good. He was he was a he was a real comedian at some point. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, 
over on the arrow. It looks like Paul Blackthorne, and I'm super bummed about this. Paul Blackthorne is not going to be returning to Arrow uh, for season seven, and there's no word on why or what they're doing with the character. I'm uh, I assume he's going to sacrifice himself for for Black Siren. That's my take. That's my think. That's fine. Think thinking on it. Um, I mean, going to push her over the edge right into being a hero. Big, you kill a lance. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I guess. <laughs> That's how you either open or end a, a season of Arrow. Kill a Lance. You kill a Lance. That'll get him interested. Um, <laughs> will it, though? But no, I, I really... I, the I don't. I got up, I think, when they did so. I, I, maybe. I really enjoy Paul Blackthorne. I like Quentin Lance. I don't want to see that character go. Yeah, he's good. <clears throat> and uh, Phil Klemmer is talking Legends of Tomorrow. He's saying that... Uh, he says... I think we're ready to maybe have some real betrayal within the ranks of the Legends. Things have gotten really tranquil. So next season, I want the Legends to sort of turn against their own. And I don't want these to be cosmetic plot shifts. I want them to have consequences that will be lasting and that will affect the DNA of the show. I'm very torn on that. Like, part of me feels like that might be boring. And I also kind of feel like, didn't we just have that with Rip? But as long as this, like, I think I'll be fine and I think I'll enjoy it as long as... It remains true to those characters, and it isn't just some stupid uh, mind control device. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean. No, uh, mind control devices I have been done with for years. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they kind of do that anyway. It's like they just do—they betray each other all the time, just to do whatever the hell they want. I mean, yeah, I get like, that. Like Ray just runs off with Damian Dark, comes back. Sorry, guys, that didn't work. What didn't work? This awful thing I did. Oh, all right. Yeah, man. and everyone just dealt with it. I like. It. I get that. I, uh, a certain amount of um, team divergence, mm-hmm. it can work. Mm-hmm. But don't do not do that to me unless you're going to give me stakes. Well, that's what he's saying. There's going to be stakes and there's going to be real consequences. And real consequences. And don't back out because that makes for a useless season. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's just, oh, everyone's mad at each other and then they come back together and, and they're fine. You just waste my time. Mm-hmm. I want steaks, and while I have those steaks, I want to be eating steaks. <laughs> I want Phil Clemmer to send me a freaking ribeye. You can't have those. No. I do want a ribeye. I always want a ribeye. I understand. Yeah. But you can't, I'm really you, hungry. You can't have both. I'm sorry. I'm really hungry right now. I don't really want steak and potatoes. Not like a sex psychedelic potato, mm-hmm. but a normal potato. Just an actual ribeye uh, and a piece of starch. That's just, yeah. just where you... Okay. Yeah, I want like a mound of starch with butter and cheese mm. and chives on it. And sour cream. You monster, and, uh, sour cream. And sour cream. Sure, sour cream. Or don't forget fine. that. Or barbecue sauce and pulled pork or pulled chicken. Yeah. I'm a fat man. What do you want? <laughs> Those are protein. Yes, I want, pull- sure. I want pulled pork and pulled chicken on top of my, my baked potato that I'm eating with my ribeye steak. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I want the side dish Barbecue to down. morph into the entree on top of the entree. Of course I do. Right. <laughs> and then, you know what? I anyway. want apple pie later. And just go ahead and throw a uh, uh, half a pound of sweetened pork on top of that. <laughs> you know what's good on apple pie? Barbecue pork. <laughs> that's, that's the what answer. Would you, what would you like to drink, sir? Bacon fat. Right. <laughs> With a side All right, of so, coke. believe it or not, the last news story that we have is even more ridiculous than what we were just saying. Oh, lovely. Someone, 
And I'm not even going to say their name because hopefully they'll come to their senses and, and delete this stupid petition. Hmm. Their goal is to get 500, uh, 500 people to sign it. They're almost there, too. I mean, they've almost got 500 uh, signatures. There are like 7 billion people in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the, what the petition is. It says, uh, Clark finally became Superman, and then it carried on as a comic book into season 11 and ended with the miniseries. This is just not right. Smallville should have ended as a live action. Also, at the end of Smallville, season 10, it is set in 2018, which would actually make sense if it was to be released back on TV in 2018. Buddy. No. They're, they're not doing that. Like, Tom Welling doesn't want to. He said repeatedly he doesn't want to do that any, anymore. He was up for uh, animated, I think. Yeah. And Chloe is in prison. Yeah. Will be. Or she's about to be. <laughs> they're looking, She's looking at 10 to 15, man. Oh, she's looking at life. Like, yeah. She's looking at well, life. Well, yeah. 10 to life. Life. It's, it's a possibility. Yeah. Anyway. It gonna get even deep if for they, I Even if... And they're still saying, WB doesn't... Look, man, the WB is not a thing anymore. <laughs> CW mm, yeah. already re- uh, p- uh, produces so many of these superhero shows. Tom Willing doesn't want back. Allison Mack is in more trouble than she can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen, Not buddy. Happen. I-, <laughs> I saw an interview a few years back where James Marsters almost like uh, laughed at the idea of of like bringing Spike back for something. He was like, vampires don't age. I'm like, yeah, I'm old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that show lasted. <laughs> It show lasted, what, was it six years? Uh, Angel lasted five years. Buffy lasted uh, seven. So he was there for, God, a good eight years? Something like that, yeah. Better part of... I mean, I think he showed up in season two, actually. But yeah. Better part of a decade. And yeah. You can see how much he aged. He aged he, in the show. Yeah, even in the course of that. Not to mention all the jokes about how, like, Angel uh, looked a little older. It, it's it's a vampire show, man. You can't do like a twenty year old revival yeah. of a vampire show. They're supposed to look exactly the same. Well, they could, they could, and I know how. Like any writer worth his salt, if I could do it, any writer. Turns out having a soul makes you age. Mm. Boom. That's all you got. That's all you got to do. You can throw it in. You know, it's not going to be like part of the previous canon, and people will be pissed. Well, I mean, as far as we know, Angel and Spike are the only ones who have a soul. That's true. You could do it, and only intermittently, but. Point is, like, I, I just that—that's how I—that's how I reason away that Spike aged and Angel got fat. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, I'm seeing like Tom Welling on Lucifer right now, and don't get me wrong, dude looks great, but he does yeah. not look like Tom Welling in Smallville. No. If you did this, you'd have to go Kingdom Come with it, and if you mm-hmm. if you went Kingdom Come with it and aged Rosenbaum and did the whole thing, I've got mm-hmm. your back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. It's not. I just think it's funny that someone's shooting for it. Of course they are. Incidentally, can't you, like, buy Smallville Season 11 mm-hmm. right now? Comic book form? And TPB? Sitting on my shelf. Sitting on my shelf. Volume 1 through, what, I think 3 or 4? Uh, I think it was, like, 9 trade paperbacks, and they include the miniseries that, this, uh, that were released, yeah. Just grab that. Yeah. That's sad. I don't know, man. I I just again. I think it's funny that like he, we're talking he about also it, like. I love the hope. I do love the hope. 
I love that his goal was 500 signatures. Like, that cracks me up. I'm like, what did you think 500 signatures was going to do? It wasn't going to do anything. It better be like a million. But you know what? Points for realistic expectations. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's just all I've got. You got anything? Nah. All right. Well, uh, I guess next time we're going to be coming back with a review of what? Lu- the uh, this season of Lucifer's ending, right? Nope. I can give you a, I can give you the specs on that. And yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's for real. That's what I thought I saw when I looked at the uh, the schedule. Yep, that is going down. Last episode was really good. It was. Lucifer's <laughs> been a lot of fun for a few episodes. Yeah. Hopefully, something will go down. Cause I mean, something already has. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the Lucifer problem, though. Some stuff goes down, but not always enough goes down. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. They made great strides this last episode. A lot of stuff went down. They have. They have made good I'm strides. proud of them. I am proud of them. I'm proud of them, and I'm invested. Shock and awe. I actually am. Anyway, we'll be talking about that, and uh, depending on what news does, we might come back for another news episode next week. <laughs> it's not been very fruitful lately. It just, yeah, it's um, it's not a matter of us wanting to uh, take a week off. It's just, dear Lord, nothing's happened for a second. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, everything is cleared out for Infinity War. I mean, who who wants to mess with it, man? I, Not I. Everyone just fucked the hell off for this thing. Just the, no one bothered to release any. Why would you bother? Yeah. Doesn't matter what site you go to, what whatever your favorite like comic book geek site is, it was overwhelmed with Infinity War. And it has been. Mm-hmm. And the Rooster Brothers keep feeding it. They keep feeding yeah. the monster and so help me, I've been following it because they keep feeding it with really fun, interesting stuff. Yeah. It is what it is. Right now, it's it's their it's it's their game. Just just enjoy it. And all of yeah. our uh, finales are coming up in the last in the next couple of weeks. So except for Supergirl, <laughs> which will continue until Supergirl is renewed and continues. <laughs> We're seriously gonna have like two and a half months off. I think between seasons on that show, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the thing I wish would have happened when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, before I understood production schedules, mm-hmm. there was a moment where I was just baffled. I was like, well, I just watched this show, and then now you're just showing me reruns, and then, oh, oh, you only planned it to do so. It it felt like betrayal in a way. Like, why couldn't you just do this show all year long? I, I get it now. But as a kid, sure. I was like, why can't it just be there forever? I remember people being like, uh, kids my age saying stuff like, well, I mean, it's on every day. I don't understand. Like, they make it every day. <laughs> they used to make it every day. I'm like, no, it's just that was that was the one that was in syndication. Like, it's taking time off now. And yeah. Because you know how it comes on in the afternoon, but then it also comes on at night. Well, the one that comes on at night is like, there's the news, new episodes, and they have to take a break. I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it, yeah. But that was my favorite thing to do. One of my favorite things to do when I was a kid is, like, I would start watching a show and get into it in his first season, like Fresh Prince, right? Mm-hmm. I started watching. I started watching Fresh Prince, and I was like, I wonder if this is still on, you know? And then wind up catching it on NBC, and I'm like, Oh man, everything's so different. And they're all so old. What's happening? <laughs> you get excited. Oh, the story continues. Oh look, their production value's gone up. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I for sure did. The doors. I mean, the walls don't shake anymore when they close doors. Yes. <laughs> 
that island sink in the kitchen didn't wobble anymore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which I, I loved. I loved uh, Fresh Prince and how they would like they would break the fourth wall. Where like they they had this great episode where like Carlton and Hillary were both like begging Uncle Phil for money. Mm-hmm. It was like in the opening teaser. And like they're like, oh, you got the money, we can swing it. What are you talking about? And he doesn't want to give them money. And they all walk out of the room, and Will just like looks at the TV screen, like looks directly at us, and goes, "If we so rich, how come we can't afford no ceiling?" And it pans up, and we see, <laughs> we see like the scaffolding <laughs> and the and the lights and everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it, that like- show. That's the thing is like I, for us that was mind blowing and wonderful, and for people that lived about thirty years before us, that was like <laughs> good in joke. Uh huh. I always knew <laughs> Lucy's Lucy's apartment was never just one set piece. I get that. Mm-hmm. It was so refreshing to watch Jazz walk on and go. So who plays the mom this year? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're done. We're out. 205-259-6331 if you want to leave us a voicemail. And uh, we'll be back with the Lucifer Review sometime in the next week. And uh, we love you dearly. Also, go check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun. Or I had a lot of fun over there. Jason actually was the arbiter for our, uh, our post-Infinity War episode. So he got to do some behind-the-scenes claculations for us <laughs> make sure we didn't come to the table with all the same villains mm-hmm. to suggest but uh it was a fun episode and i uh, hope you guys check it out mcucast.com anyway uh till next time keep some dc on your screen Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens, The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast, Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Are you maladjusted? Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th.